Hey everyone, I'm Brian Treadaway, the pastor at Vertical Church. It's our desire here to lift him up and live him out. We hope today's broadcast will inspire you to do the same. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Amen. I'm glad you're here today. It's going to be a great day. It's already been a good day. And I'm glad to be in where it's a little bit cooler. Amen. Yeah. I'm still grateful for all those who gave and how the Lord provided for us to get some upgraded AC in here. And uh, you're going to hear more about some stuff coming up. We'll be able to use this building a lot more than we are able to right now or have been able to up to this point. So uh, at our house, uh, we have pets. I say we, it's really Heather. I just get to enjoy them, enjoy them. And, uh, you know, she's an equal opportunity pet enjoyer. So it's cats and dog for us. And uh, sometimes it's been cats and dogs. I'm like puppies, like bunches of puppies and bunches of kittens. And as much joy as they bring, they also bring some very unusual circumstances from time to time. I mean, uh, we have a, what we call a cat door at the back door. And so the cats can come in and, and go out at their leisure, which means sometimes they like to bring in stuff. You know, so we've had squirrels in the house, live squirrels, uh, live rats, the size of squirrels, uh, live cardinal flying through the house, lizards, snakes, all kind of stuff. That doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. And, and strange things happen to pets. They, they sometimes do goofy things. So one of the cats that we've had, his name was Bentley. And uh, Bentley found something like this that someone in our house provided for them, you know. Heather. And so it's a little cat toy. It's plastic and it's got a little ball inside it. It's kind of stuff that drive a cat crazy. You bat it around and hit it and chase it and run throughout the whole house. It goes up under the bed. It goes under the counter, wherever, you know, and they're chasing it all around. Well, one night I came home and as I came home, I hear screaming in our house. And it's a mixture of cat screaming and people screaming. So I go back to our room and there is Heather and Holly and Taylor and Truett and Brianna. I think all but Hunter was there that night. I'm not sure where Hunter was. Probably with Brooke somewhere. <laughs> and I, I go into the room and Truett has a little bit of a panic look on his face, as does Brianna. Brianna's trying not to laugh. But Heather is absolutely beside herself. I mean crying, distraught, and I'm not sure what's going on. Taylor's doing the same, Holly is the same, and they're just, they're losing their minds. And in the midst of it is a cat that is, is screaming like it's just being, you know, hurt tremendously. And so cat screaming, three girls screaming, and like, what is going on? And they say, Billy, Billy, he's got this stuck on his foot. It wasn't this one, but it was one much like it. And it, it has a piece where it can come apart in the middle. It's really two halves. And somehow or another, he got the two halves apart and got his claw in between it. And so it is stuck on the end of his paw claw. And it won't come off. And he is just, meow, meow, meow. And they, the girls sound the same, really. It's really, it's, it's what's going on. So lots of screaming. Do something! Dad, do something! 
And so I said, well, let, let me see. So I'm just, I'm trying to get in there and see what's going on. And, and I finally see what it is. I see his claw is stuck in there. And you, you can't pull it. The more you try to pull it, he, he loses it, which makes them all lose it more. And makes Brianna laugh more. And so... <laughs> So all this is happening, and I, I'm like, okay, I, I think I see what I need to do here. So I make my way to the laundry room, and I get a tool, because that's what's necessary in this situation, I think, to help it. And I come back into the room. It's calmed down just a little, because they assume I'm here to save the day. And I come back into the room and say, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. And I'm ready to fix it. I mean, I, I know if I could just get this under there and just clip that little piece of plastic, we're done. It's over. But when I walk into the room with this, you know it all started back up again. Which makes Bentley, it's just, it's out of control. And I'm like, well, just hold Bentley still for just a moment. I, we, can, we can fix this thing. No, 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 no. You're going to hurt him. You're going to kill him. I, I'm not. I'm not coming to cut his paw off. I'm not coming to cut his claw off. I'm just going to cut the plastic piece off. Just let me get in close. No, no, no. You're going to hurt him. It just, I mean, you're losing it. Finally, I think the Spirit of God just brought a calmness for just a moment. I was able to get in and just go, bing, and he was free. And it was over. It was done. And he, pshoom, he shot off out of the room. He was done. And they are relieved. And boy, am I relieved. You know? It, it took a tool to get into the situation to free Bentley from his problem. Right? Sometimes you and I get into some problem situations. And God comes to us lovingly, calmly, with a tool to get our attention and to rescue us, to save us from our situation. And it's easy to get one look at the tool and panic, right? I, I'm not a fan of dentists, right? Maybe you are. I'm not. I don't do well with dentists. And so as I was growing up and I'd, I'd go to the dentist and they were going to do some work, they'd say, okay, well, go ahead and close your eyes right now. That's when I was a little child. If I was to go to the dentist today, almost the entire time, I would have my eyes closed. Because I don't like to see the tool that's coming at me, right? You know what I'm talking about? But when God brings tools into our life, if we're not careful, we can get so focused on this that we miss Him. We get so focused on what this could feel like. And we miss what His purpose is. Today we're going to see a story from Scripture where that happens, and I'm going to hand off this ball, or it'll just keep jingling up here. There you go, Holly. You can take it home for a cat. You and Ryan can get one day. There you go. Yeah? Before we get into our passage, I want to, I want to kind of start us on a truth, a point. This is my big point today. I'll tell you ahead of time, and you'll know where we're going, and, and we'll know kind of what we are praying for. So here's the big point today. The first screen is this. God is actively at work right now to reveal his glory and free your heart. You know, I know we pray for God to do a work in our heart. We pray for God to show up. We pray for God to move. But he wants that a whole lot more than we ever do. And the thing is, he's doing it 
whether you ask him to or not. He's doing it already. He's at work. He wants to reveal himself. He is revealing himself. He is actually arranging the events of your life right now for you to see his glory. He's doing that. He's the sovereign God. He doesn't sit back on the throne and say, oh, I just wish I could do something. He is actively at work. He is actively arranging the events of your life. They're not separate from him. They're not random. They aren't just of your choosing. He is God. He is at work. He can work in spite of your messes. He can work in spite of what you've done. In fact, he is at work right now revealing himself. Now, what happens is we become people of little faith from time to time. We get so focused on what we see that we don't look at what he sees and what he's doing. And when that happens, you miss completely what's happening. You get all focused on this and you miss what he's trying to do. Right? Amen? So our passage today is from Numbers 22. And it's all about this idea of someone that God was trying to reveal his glory to. And they couldn't see it. They refused to see it. I understand now why the Apostle Paul in the New Testament prayed. And he said, uh, he's writing to the the church in Ephesus. And he said, "I, I remember you in my prayers. He said, here's what I'm praying. That the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having your eyes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to what he's called you to, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul is saying, I'm I'm praying that your eyes will be opened to his glory, his riches, and his power, so that you don't have to live in your circumstances but you can live in his victory. Numbers 22 is where we are today. The story here uh, centers around a man named Balaam. And then another man we'll meet named, in in the Hebrew it's Balak. But because we're in Texas, we're going to say Balak, because you're going to see that on the scripture today. You may say Balak or Balak. I'll say Balak, but just know in Hebrew... It's not that, but we're in Texas, so we'll, do, we'll, we'll speak Texan here, right? So the setting is this. It's been 40-plus years since the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They were on their way to the Promised Land, and they should have been there already. It shouldn't have taken 40-plus years to get there. God had given them a promise, and they should have just walked forward. They should have trusted Him. When they come up against enemies, they should have believed Him, and they should have just walked right on into the promised land, but they didn't. And in fact, an entire generation is going to miss out on going into the promised land. Another generation has been born, and they are making their way finally. They are trusting God finally for what their parents should have done, and they are on their way to the promised land. They're finally getting to the place they God had called them to be. But they've got a few more folks that they've got to meet along the way. One of those are the Moabites. And the Moabites hear that Israel is marching 
And they are massive. And the scripture is going to say that they are terrified of Israel because they see them coming and they've heard about them and they're making their march and they're going to come right through them to get to the promised land. And the Moabites are terrified at what that could mean. The Moabites are led by a king, this Balak, B-A-L-A-K, as you'll see here in the passage. And Balak is a... He's a smart enough king that he realizes, you know, I am not going to be able to defeat them on my own. They're too big. They're too mighty. They're too powerful. There's no way we are ever going to be able to stop them. So here's what Balak does. He hears about this man who is a prophet. This prophet is Balaam. Balaam is known for going and speaking prophetically and even speaking blessing and cursings on groups. And if he speaks blessing to them, God blesses. If he speaks cursings on them, there's curses upon them. So Balak says in his mind, I'm going to call Balaam and see if I can't get him to come here and curse this group. That group is God's people and Balaam is a prophet for God. So just let that sink in for just a moment. It'd be like asking, you know, his own person, God's own people to say, hey, would you curse your people for me? Well, no, I'm not going to curse my own people. But here's the deal. Balaam, Balaam's a prophet, but he's been living far too long for himself. Mm. He's living for the what the world offers. In fact, what he has done is he'll go and pronounce blessings on some people and then say, now pay me. Mm. I'll go pronounce a curse upon this group. Now, now pay me. Balaam is using his faith and God's power in his life to make himself rich. He's really consumed with himself. It's all about the money. It's all about the power. It's all about the honor. He wants all of it, and he will use what God is doing in his life to get that. It's a tragic sin. It's a real devastating mockery of God's blessing upon people. And so Balak sends word down to Balaam and says, I need you to come curse this group. Balaam has enough sense that he prays first. God, what would you have me do? Should I go and curse this people for Balak? And God says to Balaam very specifically, Balaam, you shall not go with them and you shall not curse these people. They are a blessed people. God doesn't hold back anything. He's very straightforward with them. And so Balaam tells him, hey, I can't do this. See you guys. Balak's people head back home. Tell Balak. Balak says, you go back down there and you tell Balaam, I will give you whatever you want, sir. I'll give you riches. I'll give you power. I'll give you honor. But I've got to have you come curse this people. So they go back to talk to Balaam. And this is where our passage begins today. Chapter 22, we're in verse 18. 
It says, Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Good move, Balaam. Good job. Way to go. Out of you, sir. You said you would not go because he's offering you all the silver and gold in his house. And he doesn't live in a house like us. This is the king, all right? So it's a lot of money. It's a lot of power. It's a lot of honor. And Balaam says, I cannot do it. Not going to do it. Verse 19. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know more that the Lord will say to me. In other words, hey, why don't you guys just stay here tonight, though? I mean, don't go home yet. I mean, really, just, just stay here, and I'm going to go pray and ask God if that really is what he means. Uh-oh. You see, Balaam all of a sudden is asking God a second time for what he's already told him once. Don't ever ask God a second time for what he's already told you once. Don't question in the dark what he told you in the light. When he's made a promise to you, hold to that promise. Trust him with it. Believe it. Don't go back again and ask to see if he's changed his mind. But Balaam does that. We go on in our passage, verse 20, and it says, And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to you, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. Balaam, I'm telling you one more time, if you want to go with them, you can go with them. I'm giving you a little bit of permission, but I'm not changing my mind. Do not say anything except what I say to you. You speak what I speak to you. And he already told him, don't curse these people. Verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Here we go. This is about to turn into one crazy journey. Because Balaam is headed off back to Moab with the princes. He's been given a very specific command from God. You can go, but look here. You only say what I say. Do what I do, say what I say. He's on a very short leash. He's on his donkey. He's headed out with his princes. 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. Whoo. Balaam takes off, and God all of a sudden is upset. He's seeing red right now. Because Balaam went, but God sees Balaam's heart. And he knows that deep inside, Balaam isn't going to do what he said. He knows Balaam's got some questionable motives. He knows what's in Balaam's heart. God knows what's in our hearts. And so he gives this outward appearance of obedience, but his inward heart is far from him. And God does something dramatic. He sends, the passage says, an angel of the Lord. And the passage says that he stands, this angel of the Lord stands in the way. 
like an adversary. So you just imagine Balaam's headed this way. He's on his donkey. He's got his uh, servants with him. And he's got the princes of Moab with him. They got their, their entourage with them. He's riding with some people of prestige and power. And here they go down the road. And the angel of the Lord shows up. And he just steps up and just blocks the path. He has come to stop Balaam physically because Balaam refused to listen spiritually. You with me? Because Balaam wouldn't listen to God in what he was saying in his heart, God had to put up a barrier. Okay? Let's follow the passage. Verse 23. It says this, Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. This is not some flittering, Valentine's Cupid, you know, looking angel. This is a mighty, majestic angel of the Lord. And he has a sword. It is devastating in its appearance. And he's holding it in his hand. And it says that the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So the donkey sees the angel. Now, let me just make something clear as we go forward here. It says the angel of the Lord. There are some instances in the Old Testament where this phrase is used. And as we're going to see, this is no ordinary angel. It is most likely that this is a pre-incarnate version. In other words, a time before Jesus comes in the flesh version of Jesus. It's the angel of the Lord. And I'll show you why here in just a minute. It's him and not just any angel. Jesus shows up and he's there. Entourage from Moab, Balaam, servants, donkey. And only one out of that group sees the angel of the Lord. It's the donkey. None of the others see it. There's no reference at any point that anybody else in the group says, Ah, look out! There's an angel on the road. Man, look out. What is that? They're just, they're just walking on their way back to Moab. But the donkey sees it, and this donkey turns out into the field. Can you imagine what that must have been like if you're, you're Balaam? You're going back to be honored. You're this prophet of prestige, and you're riding along, and all of a sudden your donkey is like, Ho, ho, wait, stop, what? You know, he's probably looking very foolish to the rest of the group. This donkey is out in left field, literally. He's out there, and, and he can't control him. But the donkey has seen God. Yeah? It's getting interesting. Let's go on our story here. Um, Jesus is standing there. Verse 23, the second part of it, verse 24, it says this. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. You see, what's happening here is God is arranging Balaam's circumstances Balaam didn't have any control over his donkey. All of a sudden, his circumstances have taken control. They are headed in a path he hadn't planned for. Have you ever been in a moment in your life where all of a sudden it's not going the way you thought? 
All of a sudden, you thought you were headed down this road, and you find yourself out in the field. Your circumstances have taken you to a place you never planned to go. What you do next will be very important. For Balaam, he's not liking this. Balaam can't see Jesus in the road, so Balaam is filled with anger. And what he wants to do and what he actually does is begin to strike the donkey. Jesus is revealing himself in his glory, and Balaam can't see it. Jesus is right there trying to protect Balaam, and Balaam can't see it. Jesus is right there in the road trying to save a nation and save Balaam and reveal his glory, and Balaam can't see it because he lives a life where he's more focused on himself than he is on God. That's what happens. When your faith is small, your anger will be big. When your faith is small, events will all of a sudden take you in a path you didn't plan for, and you'll lose control. You'll see red, and that's what's happening here. God is shaping his circumstances, and Balaam is angry at his circumstances. And just know this. When God's revealing his glory, he's more concerned about his glory than he is about your comfort. And so sometimes he'll take you off on journeys and paths you hadn't planned on because it's only there down that path that you'll finally see him for who he is. Verse 25. It says, and when the donkey... Oh, wait a minute. Let me me go back to 24. I want to finish that up right there. It says, Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with the wall on this side and a wall on that side. So our our area here kind of serves as a good picture. You just imagine a wall here and there's a vineyard and a wall here and there's a vineyard and somehow or another they've gotten off out in the field and and Balaam says, I've got to get back to the road. The, The group is here. The entourage is here and Balaam's out there. And so he makes his way down this path. He thinks, I can just go between these two walls. If I can go down this one path, I can get back to where I was. And the angel of the Lord positions himself right there. You can't go to your right. You can't go to your left. You're going to have to come through me, Balaam. And the angel sees it all. Jesus sees it all. And unfortunately, only the donkey sees this all. Balaam isn't seeing it. God's at work. Balaam's missing it. Verse 25. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. So this donkey is making his way down the path and and sees the angel of the Lord and says, I'm not going there. Sorry, Ryan. (laughs) And so the donkey... He's protecting himself. He just decides he's going to come over and push Balaam up against the wall and crush his foot. Now, if you've ever ridden ridden a stubborn mule or donkey or horse, you know they'll do that kind of stuff to you. And this donkey's doing that. He just takes Balaam and just just crushed up against the wall. And Balaam, now he's suffering. He's hurting. And he lashes out again. That's what happens, though. The more you resist, the more you refuse to do what God has been saying to you, the more you refuse to surrender, the more you refuse to do what he's asked you to do, you will only bring more pain into your life. You'll find your circumstances getting worse instead of better. 
You'll find you think you've gotten close to being back on the path that you had intended, and all of a sudden your donkey's crushed your foot up against a wall. Hello? What you thought was going to be your path back becomes a way of even more pain. Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord went further. Isn't God merciful? I mean, Jesus is standing there. He's got a sword in his hand. You could do a lot of damage with a big sword. But the angel of the Lord, Jesus, does not do that. He sees that Balaam still doesn't get it. And so the angel of the Lord decides to move on down the path just a little bit further. He went down further. He's giving Balaam another opportunity. The angel moves to a place where there's some distance between him and Balaam. And then it says the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or left hand. It has gotten now down to the final point. Balaam, you're going to have to see what's happening here. Verse 27. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she laid down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, if it wasn't already, and he struck the donkey with his staff. So now the donkey just lays down. He just, I'm done. He just sits down and says, I'm not going anymore. I see what's ahead. You don't see it. I'm not moving. So now here's Balaam in this very awkward situation. Now you just think if you're his servants or you're the entourage and you're watching this whole thing. You're watching the donkey take off out in the field. You're watching him come back in. You're watching him come down this path. And the donkey crushes his ankle up against the wall. And then he comes down a little bit further and he stops again. And now the, the donkey just drops. He doesn't want to go any further. And this is where he is. And all the while, Balaam is probably just embarrassed. He's humiliated. He's hitting this donkey with his staff. Get up! Get up! Get up! Come on! And there's no response. You see... When you're wrapped up in yourself, you'll call an irritation what God is using for his revelation. God is trying to reveal himself right here, and Balaam only sees it as irritation. This is not what I planned for my day. You're making me look foolish in front of people. I'm supposed to be moving onto this road. I'm supposed to be getting on and doing my job. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this, and I can't. In those situations, Jesus is actively at work in your life. You're not alone. You're not out there by yourself. So when it starts happening, be careful what you call an irritation. It might actually be God's revelation. God was wanting to show Balaam some things he had never seen before. He was wanting to show his power and his majesty and his grace and his peace. He was wanting to, to, to free a nation. He was wanting to do so much more than just a work in Balaam. He was wanting to do a work in the Moabites. He was wanting to do a work in the Israelites. He was wanting to do a big work. And Balaam was so stuck on his own situation that he couldn't see God's revelation. What God was wanting to reveal. Man, it's so easy to get caught up in our own lives, isn't it? 
It's easy to get caught up in the number of bills that have come in. It's easy to get caught up in the conflicts that are going on in the family. It's easy to get caught up in these things you want to do and they haven't been able to come to pass yet. It's easy to get caught up in all that stuff and totally miss God. And that's what's happening here. When you have small faith, God will be arranging your circumstances to reveal himself and you'll call it a disaster. He's trying to give you direction. You'll call it a problem. He's trying to bring you to a place of freedom. You'll call it a frustration. You'll miss out. You'll be seeing red. We're down into verse 28. Back to the story. It says, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? Now, just get this scene. The angel of the Lord Jesus is here. He's got a sword. He's the God who can do anything. He could have spoken to Balaam. He could have just revealed himself in all of his glory. He could have spoken to him, but the problem was Balaam had been spoken to already and he dismissed it. And so God used a very unusual circumstance. He caused the donkey he was riding to start talking. That's crazy. Now, this is not fairy tale. This is God's word. This is not made up stories passed down over the generations. This actually happened. Amen? God's word is true. This happened. God caused a miracle to happen because he was that consumed with Balaam hearing from him. God will do whatever he has to do to speak into your life. God, help us to hear and see him and not have to have a donkey talk to us. Amen? You see, the donkey here is Balaam's situation. And his situation is now talking to him. Verse 29. Here's where this part really gets, the story really gets weird. And Balaam said to the donkey, hello, it's weird enough that the donkey talks to you. It's really weird if you talk back to the donkey, you know? I mean, it's crazy enough that the donkey all of a sudden is able to shape its mouth in such a way to speak English or Hebrew in this case. To speak words that Balaam understands. That's crazy. But there's no gap between 28 and 29, and Balaam just talks right back to it. That's how messed up you get when you're consumed with yourself. You start talking to stuff that you shouldn't be talking to, you'll start doing stuff that is weird. And Balaam is talking to the donkey. He's trying to reason with him. And he says, because you have abused me, donkey. I wish there was a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. That's how bad it was getting for Balaam. This is how much he is raging in anger. He's lost all sense of reality because he's talking to a donkey. But he says, I wish I had a sword. I would kill you. Right now, I would end your life. 
This was his, this was his vehicle to get to Moab. This was his way. This had probably been a faithful way for him for a while. And all he could think about is, I want to kill him. I want to be done with him. But God has strategically planned these events. God has strategically planned for Balaam to come to this spot of impossibility so that he might see God's glory. Verse 30. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? And was I ever disposed to do this to you? The donkey's reasoning back with Balaam. He's got a pretty convincing argument, actually. I've been your donkey for a long time. I've served you well. Have you ever known me to be this way to you? Have you ever seen me be resistant? Stubborn, says a lot for a donkey. Have you ever seen me do this to you? And in in a moment of odd clarity, in a moment of all of a sudden a little bit of reality, Balaam says, no. It all of a sudden, in a weird way, clicks for Balaam. Isn't it weird, this story? God brings an unusual circumstance in. And Balaam won't hear Jesus, won't see Jesus in it. So God uses the donkey, the circumstance, to speak to him. And in an odd way, all of a sudden, Balaam says, wait a minute. This is weird, first of all, the donkey's talking to me, but I'm talking back to it. But he has always been good to me. So no, you've never been bad to me. And the wheels begin to turn, not just in his mind, but in his heart. The Spirit of God is beginning to speak. God is putting all this together for him. He's all of a sudden coming to a place he'd never been to before. Balaam is starting to soften just a little bit. Balaam's starting to, to break for just a moment. He's about to feel something he never felt before. He's about to see something he never seen before because here's what verse 31 says. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Wow. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. All of a sudden, Balaam has the eyes of his heart opened. All of a sudden, Balaam sees what was there all along. Balaam sees Jesus in his path. Balaam sees Jesus there protecting him. Balaam sees Jesus directing him. Balaam sees the glory of Jesus. Balaam sees all of a sudden. Balaam sees something he's never seen before. He's lived selfish. He's lived for his own glory. He's lived for his own way. And finally, his eyes are opened. And he gets down off that donkey and he falls down on face before God who's standing right there and he is in a moment of deep worship he is undone boy it takes the spirit of God to open our eyes to see the glory of Jesus 
That's why that friend you've been praying for hasn't seen yet. That's why that family member you're still praying for needs you to keep praying for them so that their eyes will be opened. Jesus was standing there all along, but all of a sudden, Balaam's heart has softened. Our next big point here in the story is this, that if you will soften your heart, your eyes will be opened to see the glory of Jesus. Man, I know what it's like to get caught up in self. I know what it's like when the anger takes over. When you had things set to go a certain way and they didn't go that way at all. When a set of circumstances changed and you found yourself off out in the field. It doesn't matter what you tried, you couldn't get back. And the more you tried, the more it cost you. I know what that's like. And in those moments, the last thing you and I want to do is to soften our heart. To all of a sudden admit, I was wrong. That's really what Balaam was doing. Balaam was saying to the donkey, you're right, I'm wrong. And when he did, then his eyes were opened. If you want to see the glory of Jesus in your life, it starts by admitting, okay, God, I was wrong. That's hard for people. It's the exact place that Satan wants us to stay. Stubborn, refusing, protective, barriers up, wall. Refuse to show pain. Refuse to show regret. Refuse to repent. Keep your public face. Keep your guard up. Keep everybody thinking everything is okay. And Balaam can't do it anymore. And then God opens his eyes. It's the danger of living with a low boil. With that anger that just, you won't let it go. You refuse to forgive. You refuse to understand. You refuse to be patient. You refuse to go work it out. You refuse to have the conversation. You refuse to get to forgive. You refuse to give. You refuse to get some help. You refuse to take the step God's called you to. And it just keeps you seeing red. And you'll see red instead of the glory of Jesus in that moment. Let's get on back to the story. See what happens. Next. And the angel of the Lord, in verse 32, said to him, Now, now Jesus is going to speak. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Balaam, you keep resisting, you keep reacting. 
You keep refusing to do what I said. But Balaam, I'm here because what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is twisted. What you're doing is not what I want for you. And it's not what I want for my people. Balaam, I have come to show you my glory. Balaam, I've come to set you free. I've arranged every event in your life. I have arranged these last few moments for a reason. You did not go out in that field by your own design. I brought you here. You didn't come down that narrow path by your own design. I brought you here. You didn't come to this place today by your will. It is my will. I have brought you here to free you. Mm. Verse 33. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely... I would have also killed you by now and let her live. Yeah, Balaam, did you hear that? All that talk you had about wish you had a sword to kill the donkey. I've got a sword. I could have taken your life. I could have killed you, Balaam. You're the one with the sin here. It's not the donkey, it's you. Balaam, it's you. You're the one. You're the one who's resisted. You're the one who's refused. You're the one who's got the twisted. You're the one who's perverse. You're the one who must change. And Jesus could have taken his life already. But he's good to him. He's gracious to him. And finally, in verse 34, we have Balaam's response. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Balaam finally broke. He softened his heart. Jesus, I didn't know. I didn't know. I should have. I should have seen. I should have known it was you. I should have known what you were doing. And I didn't. You stood in the way. You were trying to protect me. You were trying to reveal yourself to me. And I refused. So Jesus, if you want me to turn back, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. This is where Jesus wanted Balaam all along. At the place of worship, at the place of hearing him, and at a place where he would say, I no longer have a will in the situation. I will do what you want me to do. Go forward, I'll go forward. Go back, I'll go back. I am laid out before you. I'm telling you, when any individual arrives at that place, God will do something glorious in their life. When a couple arrives at that place and says, Jesus, it's all you from now on, not us. God will bless that marriage. When a family arrives at that place, when a church arrives at that place and says, Jesus, it's not about us anymore. It's all about you. 
we surrender our will to you, God will bless that church. And when a nation one day chooses to, as a whole, put Jesus first over everything else, God will bless that nation. Amen. Anger fades away in the light of the glory and peace of Jesus. In 1981, I went to church really for the first time. I'd been as a child with my mom, but eh, I was only going because I had some good food at Thanksgiving. In 81, I went because a girl invited me, but she eventually broke up with me, and I found myself at a new place. I'd never heard all the hymns before, so they were fresh to me. They they weren't just things we were singing, they, they were words that were alive to me. It was that summer that I came to know Jesus for the first time. And one of the hymns that stood out to me has this truth in it. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's when his glory shows up. When we're finally willing to be softened. The passage for today ends with verse 35. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. I wish I could tell you that from that point on, it was glorious and there was revival and it was amazing. But Balak would act, I mean, Balaam would actually go on to continue to struggle. He would actually do some very damaging things because he chose to go back into his old ways instead of walking into the newness of what Jesus had called him to. So I end today with where we begin with this statement. And this truth. God is actively at work right now to reveal his glory and free your heart. 
Would you bow your heads with me? I'm confident the Lord is here, that he is speaking today. I'm confident that he is actively at work in your life. And that what you have called irritations and frustrations, disappointments, and pain may actually be his hand in your life. He's trying to reveal himself to you, and you've been resistant. He's trying to call you to a new way, and you found yourself angry instead of humble. If that's where you find yourself today, then the answer is in what Balaam did. You simply say to God, God, I have sinned. I've blown it. I have been walking in my own way. I've been doing my own thing. And I've, I didn't know you were right there in front of me the entire time. But now I see Thank you for protecting me, for directing me, and for calling me out, for calling me forward, and to trust you. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts down into places that we even get kind of uncomfortable going. But you are not uncomfortable going there because you know there is where you free us and it's there that we see your glory. God, we confess today that we have sinned. We have done our own thing, gone our own way, and we've been wrong. I thank you that you've been merciful. You've not destroyed us. You've not taken our life. You've not condemned us, but instead you sent Jesus so that we might know forgiveness. So this morning, Father, I pray that we will acknowledge that. We will let down the anger that has filled us and instead let our heart be softened to you right there in our life. You're the one who's arranged the events of our life. However painful may they have been, We see you there standing now in front of us. And we come to surrender our will to soften our heart to do whatever you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.